Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. If it brings her to the same point that it brings you, it doesn't matter whether she called it God along the way or not. That understanding works for you, so therefore it is absolutely right for you. All beliefs have become only relatively true, and of course to the world, religion is just some personalized experience, not a divine revelation, and the church is catching the disease. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And you thought we'd get a 12-month break? Silly rabbits, this is Wretched Radio. The Southern Baptist Convention, was it yesterday? They concluded their SBC convention, where, encouragingly, the messengers voted overwhelmingly that the role of pastor should be limited to the male gender. You'll have to look that up if you're not familiar with the term male gender. By the way, do you know the difference between pansexual and omnisexual? Well, there's a difference. One is the Greek word all. The other is the Latin word all. Sexual. You're attracted to just about anything. But I was reading an article by some psychologists who inform us, no, actually, there's a distinction between pansexual and omnisexual. Jimmy, here's what it is. Okay. Pansexual people are attracted to other people regardless of gender identity, while omnisexual people are attracted to all gender identities. You got that? (laughs) Is that not the same thing? (laughs) It's exactly the same thing. (laughs) It's sometimes referred to as gender blindness, but omnisexuality is not. Okay. All right. Thanks. Thanks for the razzle-dazzle and the clarification on that. Potato, potato. XX is what the Bible says is required to occupy that particular office. The SBC decided... This is a big enough deal that we want to put it into the Constitution. Now, in the SBC, just because you ratify something one year doesn't mean it's ratified. It has to it has to be voted affirmatively two years in a row, which is why I guess if I were thinking, I wouldn't have thought, well, then we probably won't hear much about the subject until then. Well, people are lining up in the queue to say, We don't like that vote, and we don't think it was a good decision. Starting with a group of what is being described in the Christian Post as 4,000 predominantly African-American churches affiliated with the SBC believes the vote banning women from serving as a pastor of any kind is an unnecessary infringement upon the autonomy of the local church. Well, If there's any infringement at all, it's not entirely autonomous, which is why I would say if a church wants to be genuinely autonomous, should they be a part of the SBC? I mean, I know it seems to be a little bit of a semantic shell game. It's a convention. It's a denomination. It's a network. Well, if you're going to be a part of a group, there are always going to be standards. And if you don't meet those standards, well, then the group can say you're not a part of us. The question, of course, is, is the issue of the role of pastor worth division? Well, this group would say uh, this is going to disproportionately impact their congregations. Now, the implication in that is that black Southern Baptist churches have more female pastors, whether it's called pastor, leader, director, than white churches. And hey, don't you just love it that we are having to identify Christians by their skin color these days? 
I love social Marxism. They're saying, hey, this is this is really going to hurt. Well, they sent a letter to the SBC stating, we strongly urge our SBC family to consider entering a, t- a pr- time of prayer and dialogue. That's um, language that we've heard before. We need to have conversations. Then we need to have some studies. Then we need to have a time where we just agree to get along. Then we're going to tell you this is the way that it is. And if you don't like it, you can get out. <laughs> As the Episcopalians. Ask the Methodist, ask the Lutherans, all on the liberal side, by the way. This is precisely the playbook of introducing liberal theology. J.D. Greer, the former president of the SBC, who at the last SBC convention stood with men like Ed Greer, uh, no, uh, Ed Litton, and, oh, Jimmy, who are the other fellows that J.D. Greer stood with to say, hey, uh, not so fast with this? Steve Gaines, um, uh, all former presidents. All uh, former pre- Okay. Mm-hmm. So formidable. Right. J.D. Greer wrote a five-page article. This was in at jdgreer.com explaining why he doesn't think this is a good amendment. Let's engage, shall we? If the conversation is going to continue and appears it is, Let's understand the arguments, because if our position is correct, and it is, then we shouldn't have any problem actually hearing the argument and engaging with them. So this is from J.D. Greer, writing at jdgreer.com, starting with, in 2010, Nancy Pelosi urged Congress to pass 828 pages of Obamacare regulations before anyone had a chance to read it. Let's just pass it. We'll figure out what's in it. As the ensuing chaos surrounding Obamacare demonstrated, that's not usually the wisest approach. All right, so he's saying this is a rush to judgment. I would say, hold it, this is not a rush to judgment when the historical position has always been the same. This is somebody or some people introducing something new. It doesn't require a ton of careful consideration. It, the issue, now, could it have been bad legislation? I suppose there can be such a thing where the application of the law, uh, it it unnecessarily harms people, but um, it depends on what the issue is. And it depends on how you want to make the case that the historical position and understanding of the role of women in the church needs to be different is what was passed basically a sentence or two amending the Constitution, the same as 828 pages of Obamacare. It was pretty straightforward. And that is why J.D. Greer objects not to complementarianism, but to the amendment itself. Now, I think in fairness, we should ask the question, um, if you're willing to allow churches that do not affirm complementarianism, are you really complementarian? It's a fair question. If, if I if I said to you, some, for instance, Joe Biden would say, I'm personally opposed to abortion, but I'm going to let it. Well, then you're not personally opposed to it. You say you say you are. But if you're willing to let somebody do the wrong thing, then it really isn't that profound of a conviction. 
This is what J.D. wrote. I don't oppose the amendment because I, I have a desire to see the influence of complementarianism weakened in our convention. Hmm. Nor am I demurring on the strength of the biblical case for complementarianism. And then he goes on for four pages to say this amendment is bad because there's going to be churches that have different nomenclature. They use the word director. They don't have the title pastor, but this amendment would disfellowship them from the convention because they're in practice, not with the name of the office, but in practice, they're violating 1 Timothy 2.12. Therefore, they can be disfellowshipped from the SBC. Therefore, this is a bad amendment. Well, wait a second. If you're opposed to an egalitarian position, wouldn't you say, and that's a good thing, because a horse by any other name is, you know, a horse. Call pastor something else. But if the activities and the office have that authority, then it doesn't matter if you call a woman a chicken. If she's acting like a pastor, the complementarian view would say, therefore, that is an inappropriate office for her to be holding, no matter what you call it. And conversely, interestingly enough, this, 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 it, it, this street runs two ways. Let's just say that a woman is called a pastor, but she's not doing the teaching of any sort of mixed audience. I would ask, why do you call her a pastor then? You see, they go together, the job description and the title. You can remove one and you still got the other. So neither one should be acceptable. J.D. Greer, and I suspect these 4,000 African-American churches, and I suspect others, are going to try to make this argument because there are just too many different configurations out in the SBC to make such a blanket statement. So he lists a number of examples. For instance, a youth pastor who isn't an elder has the title youth pastor, but he's not an elder. Are we going to disfellowship them? Well, we don't argue by anecdote and by what are some of the configurations out there. We need to draw a straight line and then measure all of those activities in accordance with that straight line. That is how we remain biblical not by using some confusion, some historical abnormalities, or even some positions that are just flat out wrong. The people then that are confronted with the straight line should make the appropriate corrections and get into conformity with that straight line. But that begs, and I don't mean an Alistair kind of way, actually it, it begs the question, not raises, it begs the question. This time it actually begs the question, what is the issue? How big of a deal is this? Is this a, uh, well, let's just look the other way issue, or is it more than that? Next on Wretched Radio. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision, and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, 
we can trust this ministry, Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry. 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. As someone who has purchased resources from our store at wretched.org, you've already shown support for our ministry. But did you know that you could do even more by joining us as a gospel partner and helping us to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ? I'm not here trying to sell you anything. I'm not here trying to make you feel guilty in order for you to open your checkbooks up and throw money at us. No, that's not what we want. Yes, of course, let's be honest. We do need your financial support, but we need your prayerful support. We need your ideas. Sometimes we need your guidance. So if you're ready to take the next step and become a gospel partner, we would be so grateful. Your support makes a huge difference, not only in the amount of content we're able to produce, but also the number of people we're able to reach. Visit wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321 to get the ball rolling into becoming a gospel partner today. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. So you're not convinced of the importance of training men to rightly divide the word of truth and fill pulpits internationally? Fine. Then we'll let Paul Washer convince you. It is so important, not just important, it's absolutely essential to have a trained expositor of the scripture in every church. When we read through the book of Acts, we can see that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, advances as the word of God advances. Would you please consider joining the Master's Academy International in filling empty pulpits with men who can exposit the scriptures and advance the kingdom of God it's a magnificent ministry with a generational impact. Please learn more about supporting TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor for the Master's Academy International. Important dates in Christian history. 1273. Thomas Aquinas completes work on Summa Theologica, the theological masterpiece of the Middle Ages. Aquinas synthesized faith and reason, incorporating Aristotelian philosophy into his work and provided a theological framework for Catholic doctrine. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Just like the life issue, the question is, what is it? This is Wretched Radio. If you're a pro-life apologist, you know that the fundamental baseline question in the abortion argument is, what is it? So as we go gallivanting out into the corral of ideas, we always want to return to the stable that's marked, what is it? What are we dealing with here? The singular question that guides the pro-life debate is, what is it? Because if it's nothing but a blob of tissues, then we should not be opposed to the removal of what's in a woman's womb any more than we would be opposed to somebody having a birthmark removed. But we know that it's a 
baby. Therefore, we can intentionally take a human life. And as long as I brought up the life subject, just an encouragement, please consider supporting Preborn Network of Clinics, the life battle. It ain't done. Just read the FDA approved an over-the-counter abortion medicine. Cool. It's still a society that loves death, the war it continues for babies. Please consider supporting preborn network clinics. You can do that at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Remember, ultrasounds still save lives. Preborn.org slash wretched. And just as is the case with the life issue, the question that is roiling. Or broiling? Can it be both? A roiling broiling? Could it be that it's the same question inside of the SBC when it comes to the role of women? What is it? What are we dealing with here? What, what, it, what is the issue? Is it a preference issue? Is it an application issue? Is it a theological issue? And if it is a theological issue, what level? Or, and I think this is the big one, Is it a sin issue? Is it a sin for a church to designate women into the office, however they choose to do that, whether it is by description or the title that is given? Are we dealing with a sin? Let me share with you some quotes from JDGreer.com. He's the former president of the SBC, and he's making the case, hey, I'm a complementarian, but I don't think this legislation is good. I want to understand his argument. Because J.D. Greer is still a leader in the SBC, and there will be people who follow. Now, these are going to be brothers and sisters with whom we have to engage. So let's do that, shall we? J.D. Greer says, Article 3.1.1 notably defines a cooperating church as one which has a faith and practice. Notice the word practice. Faith and practice, which closely identifies with the Baptist faith and message. And as an example, it explains we will not consider a church in friendly cooperation who endorses homosexual behavior in any way. Hold it. Wait a second. Why that issue? It's not a primary issue. Homosexuality is not a primary issue. It is not an essential cardinal doctrine. It is not one of the five solas. Why would J.D. Greer say if you're practicing or affirming that sin, you can be disfellowshipped, but not if you're what? You see, that's why the question is, what is it? What are we dealing with here? When a church says, no, I'm, we're going to have women as pastors. And however they get there, it doesn't make any difference if it's a sin issue, which is why. I, I, I think we've not suggested, we've stated all, all along, that's how th- what this needs to be identified as. This is so plain, so simple, so clear that we've under we've actually had uniformity for the most part for 1900 and some years in the Protestant world and in the church world, where we believe that the office of elder is restricted to men. It's that clear. And if you can't get that, then it is a what? I think that it is a willful rejection of the authority of the Bible. And if somebody is operating not in alignment with what is so clear in Scripture, well, then it's a sin issue. And that's why 
if we're going to engage with J.D. Greer, if you ever bump into him, I, I, I think that's that's where I'd be inclined to go. Because he's thinking that somehow this sin is much worse than this sin. Is it? Now, we recognize, obviously, there can be degrees of sin. But this isn't a small issue because a, a woman who is a pastor is 24-7 at the church. This isn't like, well, every 10 years when we do this celebration, a, a woman gets to open up the prize vault. It's not what we're talking about here. Back to J.D. Greer. This aims to strengthen the, our posture towards homosexual sin making clear we will not allow latitude in how a church applies heterosexual norms. Say, for example, we believe God's plan is heterosexual marriage, but if two homosexuals want to get married, we'll perform the wedding because it's better that they do than live in promiscuity. Well, Article 311 precludes such reasoning. Hmm. Let me rewind the tape. This aims to strengthen our posture. 311 aims to strengthen our posture toward women as pastors' sin, making clear we will not allow latitude in how churches apply women as pastors' sin. Say, for example, a church says, we believe in complementarianism, but if a woman wants to be a pastor, it's better that she uses her gifts and stays in the church than leaves. Article 311 precludes such reasoning. Well, that was easy, wasn't it? When you remember that installing a woman into an office that is verboten is a sin, well, then this should be really clear to everybody. He continues, with this amendment, if a church is brought to the credentials committee that has a woman on staff who is a pastor of any kind, overseeing church ministry, website development, well, why, why would you have the website development person be called a pastor? That's, that's just lose the title. Why would well, women want to be pastors? Well, I, I understand they want to serve, but working on the website isn't really pastoral work per se. Why do you need the title? Nevertheless, he continues, the Constitution mandates, italics, that the committee recommend disfellowship because they're not in friendly cooperation. No exceptions. Even if we discern they are indeed complementarian, and this is merely inaccurate titling of someone's staff position. Well, then a church that is doing that, if they're genuinely complementarian, would hear it and go, oh, brothers, whoa, we didn't think about it like that. We're going to make that correction. We'll be getting new door plates immediately. Thank you. Have a good day. See you in New Orleans or wherever the next convention is if they're genuinely complementarian. He writes, I've heard the response, well, before we disfellowship them, we would give them a chance to change their views and adjust their practices. Of course we would. We'd do that also for the LGBTQ plus affirming churches. Let me put it another way. The problem with this amendment is not that it gives churches no space to change their nomenclature. The problem is that it mandates or what it mandates if they do not. Yes, that's exactly. If you think that this is no big whoop, if this is just an acceptable application for what the Bible teaches on the offices inside of the church, well, then I guess that would be problematic. But if you're genuinely complementarian, 
If you believe that this is a sin issue, well, let me just read it again. Put another way, the problem with this amendment is not that it gives churches no space to change their nomenclature. The problem is that it mandates what we do to them if they don't change their opinion on homosexual marriage. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, what, what, what's the point of having a Baptist faith and message if there isn't a consequence for not adhering to it? And his argument is, well, they're still closely aligned. They say they're complementarian. They just have a difference in nomenclature. Well, I, while I think that's pretty flimsy, if indeed the SBC is going to be complementarian, then those churches would have to change their nomenclature. Just like they'd have to change if the issue, and by the way, the other issue that J.D. brings up is racism. If a church is desiring to be racist and not deal with that, um, we would disfellowship them. Why racism and not the role of women and the role of pastor? What's, what's the difference? And the difference is, it seems that J.D. and others don't think that this is a sin issue. What would be the consequences if there were a church? Well, look, we're we're not racist, but we just, yes, we have some KKK classes here, but they're not our classes. You'd go, oh, wait, whoa, 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 what's going on? Some chin boogie is happening here. I don't know what it is, but it is not in alignment with being genuinely anti-racist, anti-LGBTQ, and might I add, anti-role of women as pastors. The conversation apparently is going to continue. As you engage, we will do so lovingly, but we will do it under the authority of Scripture, recognizing we're dealing with a sin issue here. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. We start with a little bit of healthcare news and a trend that's been observed that's causing some blood pressure to raise, mainly among parents across the country. Doctors are reportedly asking children as young as nine about their gender identity right at the start of medical appointments. So instead of inquiring about their fevers or their unusual rashes or whatever else may be wrong with the child, the first question has become, do you identify as a boy or a girl or gender fluid? <sighs> Seems like the stethoscope's getting tangled up with the cultural zeitgeist, does it not? Moving on to Windsor, Ontario, that's in Canada. Local parents are protesting against the Windsor-Essex Catholic District School Board's new gender policy. That was a mouthful. But the beef is that they're expressing fears of what they call brainwashing of their children with LGBT ideology. Yeah, it seems to be happening more than just in America happening here in Windsor, and parents are not asking for calculators to be swapped out with gender theory textbooks. No, they just want to go back to academic education, which is really not an unusual ask. Well, in the world of sports, some more controversy coming from Mr. Thomas, you know, the trans-identifying swimmer who has smashed all these collegiate records. Well, he recently posted on social media some pictures and 
He recently posted on social media about his previous competitions on the men's team before he quote unquote transitions. You didn't see my air quotes, but that's what just happened here. Anyway, he posted that social media post and it got some people up in arms because it's like he's throwing salt in the wounds. That's exactly what he's doing. Meanwhile, the rule of law is taking center stage in Warren, Michigan, where three city officials have been shown to exit because they hoisted a pride flag outside of their office. What's the big deal? Well, it's the pride flag, number one. Number two, there are policies in place that only allows for the American flag, the state flag, and the city flag on municipal property. Yeah, they've been shown the exit. Can't get in much more trouble than that. And on the political front, here's some news that is not surprising. I probably shouldn't even call it news. Just a statement. A recent survey has revealed that 58% of Americans are not applauding President Biden's handling of abortion. I didn't participate in that survey, but count me among those Americans that are not pleased or happy with his handling of abortion. But again, that's not news. That's just a statement. In the entertainment industry, Disney CEO Bob Iger has declared in a recent Vogue magazine interview that he would rather steer clear of any cultural wars. <laughs> Too late for that, Mr. Iger. You're all up in them. And that's been our latest Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. The book of Joel describes a series of disasters that serve as God's judgment and a warning that an even more severe day of judgment is coming. When you see the power and fury of creation, do not fear nature, but fear him who controls nature. But if God's people will turn to him in repentance, he will be compassionate and rescue them. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Two, three, four. This is Wretched Radio. Okay, Jimmy, once the microphones are off, you start talking. <laughs> what? 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 No, I just, I, I guess I have a lot of questions and I don't even really know where to start. But my first question about what we were just talking about, the J.D. Greer article. On complementarianism versus right. egalitarianism. Correct. Yes. And uh, he asserted that he was complementarian mm -hmm. uh, himself. And, yes. and so my question, I guess my first question to him would be, why? Right. Because he didn't really explain why he adheres to that. Yes. And so that's that's the first thing now, that I would want to yeah, know. That, that, that is an excellent question. So let's just pursue that for a moment. Okay. He would say, now I, I, I don't want to put words in his mouth, and I'm, I'm trying to be as fair as possible. Uh, he would say that because I think that's what the Bible teaches. Okay. All right. So then you would say, well, then if you think that's what the Bible teaches, shouldn't you affirm that? And he could rightly say, well, hold on a minute. There are some points where we do have different local church differences of opinions. I agree. On, on, on certain subjects. I, I agree. Church polity, the governmental structure. And you could use the same, he could turn it around and say, well, Jimmy, the same argument. Do you believe, Jimmy? Yes. Do you believe that a church should be elder led? Yes. Uh-huh. So do you think that somebody who is a congregational led congregation, that you can have any sort of relationship with them? Say that again in another way. You believe elders should lead the church. Correct. Your friend on the street says the congregation leads the church mm -hmm. through congregational voting, they are the ones who make the big decisions. Correct. Okay, okay I get it. All right. Would you disfellowship that church because they are congregational-led as opposed to elder-led? Hmm. Maybe not. Well, 
then don't you believe in elder rule? See, he could turn it around, which is why then we need to dig down deeper. What? Do, well, wait a second. What are we talking here? Because anytime there's an argument by comparison, our radar should always go up because sometimes if the comparison is so off, it can either undermine or make an argument that shouldn't be made. So I think, Jimmy, your question is entirely valid, but I think that you're going to keep you're going to keep kicking the can down the street of, well, what are we dealing with here? Because you and I would agree that a congregational led versus elder led, that isn't the type of thing where we would no longer be in any association with one another or think the other person is a heretic. Now, interestingly, inside of the church, even the issue of baptism we find disagreement. But if you go to a Ligonier conference, you're going to find plenty of Baptists there. And if you go to a ShepCon, you're going to find a bunch of Presbyterians there. What's the deal? Don't you believe in believer's baptism or paedo-baptism? Well, that's not, it's a different issue. And that's why I keep coming back to what is this issue? Right. What are we talking about here? So J.D. Greer brings up the issue of homosexuality and racism because that's crystal clear to him apparently the role of women in this application isn't as crystal clear because we wouldn't say that about, well, okay, this person uh, uh, believes in heterosexuality, but they also believe that we can, we don't do a marriage ceremony, but we'll do an affirmation ceremony. But personally, I believe in heterosexuality. You go, wait, no, hold it. That that's no, it's a it's a thing. It's a different a a, dis, a discrepancy about a secondary theology is one issue. That's why, and please, please feel free to correct me if you think I'm wrong. Genuinely, please send it to idea at wretched.org and 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 explain to me why I've got this wrong with putting the emphasis on. This is a sin issue. It's an ongoing sin issue. Now, let's just take another sin. I, whatever it is that you, that you want. Jimmy, pick a sin, a stealing. Okay. All right. Yeah, we're a, yes, of course stealing is a sin. But if a church believes that an accountant can move some funds into her account through QuickBooks and a bank statement, um, well... We wouldn't disfellowship with that. You go, wait, a, wait, what? Uh, hold it. So you're willing to say you're okay with them sinning like that. That's why I keep coming back to the issue of the role of women is a sin issue. You got anything else before the microphones turn <laughs> off in there? No, I don't. I don't. I mean, I've always got plenty to say, but I think we probably pretty well. I, th I, th I think that, look, we... We'll we'll address it. I I don't I don't like the tactic of retalking it, rethinking it, and all of the 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 semantics that get used. Well, we're not. We didn't call her a pastor. She's just distributing communion and preaching. But we don't call her a pastor. Well, wait, wait hold on a second here. But she's doing the so all of the semantic stuff. I think we can cut through it when we ask the question. What is it? Now, having said all of that, madam, you might be particularly interested in this moment. There was something that J.D. Greer said. Now, he tried to use it, I think, to support his argument. So I would reject it on those grounds. 
Nevertheless, he makes an observation that I do think that those of us who are complementarian should consider. This is, this is what he wrote. There's something else that I can't say often enough, writes J.D. Greer. Many of our sisters are deeply discouraged in this conversation. All right. Now, it seems that J.D. is saying, hey, so that's, that's one of the reasons we need to soften up. No, we need to do both things. We need to be firm on our complementarity. But I do think we would do well as this conversation happens to think about women in the church. Look, I'm not a woman. Jimmy, are you still identifying as a, a male? <laughs> Today. Yeah. So, Jimmy, so, so I don't know that we can understand that we're, hey, women can't be pet. Okay. How would my ears hear that? If I heard a group of women going, men have to not do this, you'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's, what? It, it might feel severe, sharp, unloving, or in the worst sense, patriarchal, where it's like, well, men, we're running stuff. The girls, they shouldn't be doing that. Okay. Now, I suspect nobody's well, on the internet these days. Somebody's probably saying that, but I don't think that's the intention. But I think we need to be mindful that there are women that could be used in the local church, perhaps even more than they have been. I get it. Some of those areas, they, they can get a little bit complicated, but let's just use, let's just use accounting. A woman, she's a CPA. She does the books for Fortune 500 companies. The question, we wouldn't say, well, therefore she can do the books in the church because she's so qualified. No, she can do the books because she's qualified and it's not prohibited. So therefore, why wouldn't we? And why wouldn't we celebrate that? Or the web design issue that was brought up earlier. Having a woman design the web, that's not pastoral. The women with children and women's ministries, why, why would we not want to encourage their activity in those things in a leadership kind of way without crossing the line into pastoral ministry? So I, I'm willing to take J.D.'s point, even though it was intended for a different purpose. Quote, some of our most engaged women in the SBC who are firmly complementarian not seeking to be pastors, listen into the conversation and struggle to understand why we seem to be so concerned that they're trying to take over our pulpits. They're not. And here's what he says. And they don't understand why we have turned them into a battleground. We haven't. Egalitarians have. I don't think the conversation would be very um, often engaged in unless there was somebody challenging the historical position. So ladies, if you're hearing this, you know, and I, the, the intention is not for us or I hope any other genuine complementarian to sound like, oh, women, not qualified to do nothing. Nope, not saying that at all. I, I, I hope that you'll hear this is, this is not a critique on women in any way, shape or form. This is, a, this is a theological issue. This is a sin issue. This is a Bible issue. This is an authority issue. And it just so happens to involve your gender. But please don't hear that it is a lack of appreciation or lack of affirmation of the gifts of women. And I, and I would suggest this. If your church has never considered, hey, there's, there's a lot of talented women 
Are we sending the message to them loud and clear? We want you serving in this church. We want your involvement. We want you applying your giftedness. Now, we all recognize 1 Timothy 2.12. This office, we got, we got to build a wall around it, and we got to be very careful what climbs over the wall. But ladies, we want you involved. We want... It, it's... It, it, Women just do some things better. That's they just do things better. Not, not all women do these things better, and all men do those. But there are just some things that women do better. There are some things men do better. Hence, complementarianism. Whilst we go about the business of defending that position because it's a sin issue, now let's not forget the other side of the complementarian coin. Women can and should be doing a lot of work in the church. This is Wretched Radio. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa. And the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Question, are you tired of the same old boring TV shows? Well, there is something that's not like anything else on Christian TV. It's transformed and it's back for season number two. You get to be a fly on the wall as you witness real biblical counseling sessions tackling issues like depression, anxiety, OCD, and others. These are real people with real issues being offered real solutions by our hosts, Dr. Greg Gifford and Dale Johnson. So if you're looking for something different, you know, a show that glorifies God and demonstrates the sufficiency of His Word, then Transform is for you. It's a -a one-of-a-kind production that provides the hope and relief that only the Bible can give. The world is full of hurting people, even Christians, and many are completely unaware of biblical counseling and the answers it can provide. So join us for Transform Season 2, the show that will transform your walk with Christ and leave a profound and lasting impact on your life. Get your hands on it now and also consider grabbing the Sunday School curriculum for your church. You can find it at transform.org or the Wretched Store at wretched.org. Busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds. 54,000 babies were saved. 69 ultrasound machines were placed. 10,000 people responded to the gospel. Preborn Ministries, very busy, saving babies, saving souls. Would you please consider partnering with Preborn Ministries? $28 per ultrasound, five ultrasounds, $140. Yes, they are expensive, but they save lives. And Preborn Ministries uses good equipment with trained specialists, which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with Preborn. 
please consider supporting Preborn at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Hermeneutics. A vital part of biblical hermeneutics is an understanding of genre. One genre we find in scripture is poetry. Poetry relies on imaginative and figurative language to expand on a theme, examine emotions, and reflect on who God is and what He has done. God's timeless truth is written down by biographers and artists alike. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Okay, okay, okay. Maybe this argument might have some legitimacy. This is Wretched Radio. When it comes to ecumenism, fellowshipping, working together, I think it's fair to recognize there are levels. For instance, you are a confessional Protestant. I'm pretty much an evangelical. Can we be in fellowship with one another? Yes. Could we work together in the community on a project? Yes, we could. Could we do church together? Well, that gets a little bit trickier because of the differences. And so I think when we have the conversation, and the conversation is being had about the role of women in the church, specifically in the SBC, I do think that there is a legitimate conversation that can be had about the levels and degrees of ecumenism. As a rule, this this just happens to be my bent. When I hear the word ecumenical, I just get the shakes because I just automatically think of the bad kind, like evangelicals and Catholics together. That's, that's, that's unbiblical ecumenism. But that is not to suggest that the church, universal, cannot be ecumenical on some level where we would say, hey, that person, I've heard your confession of faith, you're orthodox, you're square on the five solas. We disagree on X, Y, and Z, which are secondary or tertiary issues. But hey, bro, see you in heaven. And if we get arrested and we get shackled to one another, I'll be happy to worship with you, brother, because we're, we're square on those things. So that would be ecumenism, wouldn't it? doing something in cooperation with other Christians. But when it gets into the smaller context of the local church, it becomes difficult, which is why, for instance, we've seen Pado-Baptist and Believer's Baptist folks able to go to conferences together, worship like a nobody's business together, and, and, and even potentially outside in the, in the courtyard. Hey, you know what? We we're talking about this subject, and you mentioned that I've got a book. I'm going to send you that book. I'm, you know, let me give you that link. Hey, if you need some more information on this, give me a call because we kind of went through the same thing, and I'd be happy to help you work through this. Yep, cool, 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 and cool. But bring that Presbyterian and that Baptist back to the local church, and it's not that suddenly the issue changes, but the application changes. It it becomes, well, I would say. It's going to be almost impossible for some of these theologies that are so practical in that we practice them. So speaking in tongues, for instance, how's that going to work out in the church service? Somebody wants to speak in tongues, somebody does. Well, uh, that's going to be a little bit of a struggle here. Exactly. 
That's why I would say that if folks in the SBC wanted to make the argument, I'm just saying, if they did make the argument that, hey, we can still be in fellowship with egalitarians be on the national level as a part of the Southern Baptist Convention because we aren't in the context of the local church together. So we can let it go. Now, see, I could understand that argument, but then immediately I return to the same question. Well, what are we dealing with here? What are we dealing with here? Is this a sin issue or not? Because if it is not a sin issue, uh, um, probably the arguments that J.D. Greer forwarded probably would have some power to them. But if you've identified that something so plain in Scripture when being a, I, not adhered to, stating, well, the application isn't clear, um, would we say that about fill-in-the-blank sin, stealing? Would, 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 would we say that about punching children in the nose? Would we say that about murder? You go, well, well that's pretty extraordinary. Well, indeed, I, I grant you murdering somebody and saying that a woman can have the title associate pastor. Yes, I think that I would say that murder would probably be the more grievous sin, but that doesn't lessen the import of what sin is. And this is a sin issue. Therefore, seems to me, we come back to the exact same question. What are we dealing with here? Jimmy, you got that look on your face. No, no, I don't. I'm oh, just, yes, you do. <laughs> I'm just agreeing with you that <laughs> we can ask the question, you know, all day long, is it a sin issue or not? But we're going to come all the way back around. It has to be. Well, and I, I feel like it is. I mean, and, and here and here's what. OK, now here's what we this is. This will believe this is not easy for me to try to say. So if I choke this out or I stop myself, um, don't be surprised. But, Jimmy, if this weren't a sin issue, I still think that you could make the argument this is an authority issue because of the clarity in the Bible and because it is our current culture that is exerting so much pressure on churches to um, put the title of pastor in front of the name of a woman, mm -hmm. uh, that it's still an authority issue. So I, I would stay there. But let's just say that Somehow, somebody was per, was able to persuade this is not an ongoing sin issue. Well, then we would have to say, well, okay, I guess we can get along over something like that, if they could. Mm -hmm. But see, I don't think that they can. And furthermore, there's actually two hurdles. It's not just the sin issue. It really is the authority issue. I, okay. Um, for instance, Jesus didn't use five loaves and fishes. He used five loaves and six chickens. You go, okay, no, it's fish. Um, that's not chickens, but okay, you've just got the wrong understanding on it. That's not a big deal. But what if it's an issue that is really clear, that is both theological and moral? Because obeying any of God's commands is a morality issue. Whatever, it doesn't make any difference. If you're not, do it's immoral. If you're not being as loving as you should be, you're being immoral because you're breaking God's morality. And the same thing is true with a sin issue. So let's just say that it's something in the Bible that, um, Jesus, okay, Jesus said, here you go. 
Jesus said, if you call your brother a fool, that's murder of the heart. That's what that's, he said, adultery of the heart. John identified it then as murder of the heart. You're in danger of the judgment. And somebody said, well, hold on. Jesus said raka. That's not the same word as fool. Well, but it's the translation of the word raka. But it's not the word raka. Therefore, it's okay to call somebody a fool. You'd go, hold it, dude. You're, no. No, it's not. And the same thing is true with the role issue. And I know that inside of the SBC, J.D. Greer brought this up, and I, and, I, and I get it that, for instance, there would be some churches where the deacons act as elders, but they're not. Okay, so that's, that's also not right either. Okay, agreed. But what does that have to do with women participating in the office of pastoral ministry? And then, then fix that or, 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 or go through some teaching on that. But see, that's always what we hear, isn't it? It's not, hey, we're going to, to those people who are confused, we love you. So we're going to take the time to share with you. This is, this is where the convention stands, the denomination stands. And we want to download this to you so that you can be as much in the conformity of the word of God as possible. Okay, happy for those conversations, but those are not the dialogues that we're supposed to have, are they? Let's just understand, boy, if we make these changes, we're disproportionately targeting African-American churches. I, that would be a little bit Gnostic to make that claim that it's just that why would these people who are for defining and restricting the role of elder to men, they, they want to target African-American churches? I have no reason to believe that's the case. But those types of conversations then would be, hey, you're going to be hurting this group of people. So, hey, you need to compromise on your position. And, hey, isn't that we heard about what we heard about all the LGBTQ stuff? Isn't that the exact same argument? Which is why, interestingly, if on the role of women, we acquiesce because we hear anecdotes we hear stories of people who are harmed by the therefore or people who feel oppressed because they're not allowed to participate in this way or be accepted in this way, you give in on the role of women and you will be giving it on the LGBTQ stuff because it's the exact same argument. Would I lead with the slippery slope observation? No, I, I'd lead with this is a sin issue. This is an authority issue. But as we've seen historically inside of Protestant Christianity, it's, it is absolutely always the first issue, like a set of dominoes where it just goes tick, 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 right down. And the next thing you know, you're doing LGBTQ weddings. Ask the Episcopalians, ask the Anglicans, ask the Lutherans, ask the Presbyterians, oh, ask the, 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 the liberal Baptists, ask the, ask the liberal anybody. That is historically the modus operandi. Why? Because the same hermeneutic that allows the one, because it's a a pressure cooker cultural issue can be used to apply to the other. Until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>